Hello and welcome to the January 11th Health and Nutrition Articles of the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. Thanks for joining us. I'm Heather Lassen, Special Projects Editor. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email at abbeditorial at angus.org. Today's first article in the Health and Nutrition section is titled, Creative Feed Strategies for Wintering Cows Helpful but Costly. With hay in short supply, cattle producers are trying to avoid herd liquidation this winter by feeding alternative feedstuffs. This article is by the Oklahoma State University Extension. Paul Beck, Oklahoma State University Extension Beef Nutritionist, says there are several ways concentrate feed can be used to meet a cow's nutrient requirements. Although these other feed resources are available, all feed costs are high and will require additional labor and management for a winter feeding program. Producers can incorporate the following strategies with concentrate feed. Limit feed hay by unrolling or distributing hay in measured amounts to meet daily needs, then provide concentrate feed to supplement for deficient nutrients. Provide a total mixed ration of hay and concentrate mixed at an amount that only supports the required nutrients. Provide free choice hay and feed a lower energy supplement in an amount that will reduce hay intake. In all scenarios, Beck says it is best to feed cows their supplement and hay at the same time each day. Reducing hay amounts and limiting the time cattle have access to hay will result in very low hay waste, as will daily feeding processed hay in a total mixed ration. Feeding free choice hay with high supplement levels will result in high levels of hay waste and sorting. Concentrate feeding levels required to reduce hay intake will need to be over 0.7% to 1% of body weight of dry matter or more. So a 1,200-pound cow will need to be fed up to 13 to 14 pounds of feed a day, Beck says. This can be fairly low in energy to meet the cow's requirements. The December 2022 OSU Extension Ranchers Thursday Lunchtime Series focused on feeding cows through the winter and addressed supplementation with concentrate feed and other challenges related to hay shortages. You can find the archived series by clicking the link in the article online. Learn more about limiting hay access with supplements in a recent session from Harold Stevens, County Extension Director and Agriculture Educator in Atoka County. Producers can request assistance from OSU Extension educators in evaluating their current feeding practices through a feeder calibration clinic featured on OSU Extension's agriculture television show, SUNUP. For more information, contact Dana Zook, OSU Extension West District Area Livestock Specialist, at 580-237-7677 or dana.zook that's D-A-N-A dot Z-O-O-K, at okstate.edu. As an editor's note, this article is provided by Oklahoma State University Extension. Our second story in the Health and Nutrition Articles is titled, Grant Support Study to Improve Hay Market Efficiency. A lack of hay market information prompts a University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture study to determine what buyers value. This article is by the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture. A team of research and extension faculty from the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture is launching a study to improve price discovery and market transparency in hay markets. These improvements will help create a more efficient market and provide valuable information that benefits buyers and sellers of hay. 
While hay constitutes a major feed source for many livestock operations, market values for hay have rarely been studied. Existing research focuses on hay auctions, however, most hay produced in the United States is not marketed through auctions. Rather, it is grown and fed on the same farm or is sold through private transactions, which means no publicly available transaction information is recorded. This lack of hay market information helped prompt the latest University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture study, through which researchers will conduct experiments to determine what hay attributes are valued by buyers and the value placed on those attributes given a variety of factors. Understanding the valued attributes can help provide guidelines to creating additional transparency, allowing producers to make more informed purchasing and selling decisions. Lead researcher Andrew Griffith, an associate professor in the Department of Agricultural and Resource Economics, says we expect this project will result in buyers and sellers using information such as bale weight and nutritive assessment to determine the value of hay rather than relying solely on visual attributes. He continues, hay buyers will benefit by knowing the exact quantity and nutritive value of hay they are purchasing, which in turn should assist with managing livestock feed cost and nutrition. Sellers will also benefit by knowing the attributes hay buyers value so they can package and market their hay appropriately. Tennessee livestock producers averaged 143 days of feeding hay in 2017, which emphasizes the importance of hay on regional cattle operations. While this research will influence operations of all sizes, it can have a pronounced influence on producers with small and medium-sized operations who trade relatively small quantities of hay and are less familiar with market dynamics and pricing, says Griffith. The study will be conducted by Andrew Griffith, Karen DeLong, Chris Boyer, Charlie Martinez, and John Walton, all from the Department of Agricultural and Resource Economics. The researchers are partnering with the Tennessee Cattlemen's Association and the Tennessee Department of Agriculture on this three-year grant study funded by USDA's Agricultural Marketing Service. As an editor's note, this article is provided by the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture. Our third story in the Health and Nutrition section is titled Innovative Bovine Research Boosts Understanding of Female Infertility. UNL studies of the reproductive biology of cows offer significant long-term potential to address infertility challenges for women. By Geithner Simmons, University of Nebraska Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources. Reproductive physiologist Andrea Cup and colleagues in the Department of Animal Science at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln are deepening the understanding of bovine reproductive biology by using advanced genetic analysis, culture of reproductive tissue, and other tools. That basic research can have significant applicability in understanding human infertility challenges due to the many general parallels in the reproductive biology of cows and women, says Cup the Irvin T. and Wanda R. Omvet, Professor of Animal Science. Cup says, Cows ovulate one egg every reproductive cycle. The gestational length, the time of incubation of a fetus, is similar, nine months. Cows have a similar reproductive cycle, similar endocrine hormones, and the size of the ovary is similar. It's directly applicable to female human conditions. Livestock face significant problems with infertility, Cup says. 
An example is anovulation, the lack of release or the irregular release of an egg from the ovary during the reproductive cycle. Cows have a lot of problems with anovulation, as do a lot of other species, including humans, says Cup, who earned her master's and doctoral degrees from Nebraska. Cup and her colleagues have found an additional parallel. A significant percentage of cows studied by the Nebraska scientists have symptoms similar to those experienced by women with polycystic ovary syndrome, or PCOS, one of the most common infertility conditions in the United States. PCOS affects between 6% and 11% of American women of reproductive age. Irregular reproductive cycles are one of three central symptoms associated with PCOS. A second factor is an excess of androgen hormones. A third factor, the ovaries follicles, each containing an immature egg, fail to develop in a condition called follicular arrest. Cup found that the herd in her study stood out for the strikingly high levels of androgen among many of the cows, similar to the condition of women with PCOS. She also found that a significant percentage of heifers reached puberty prematurely, while a notable percentage developed quite late. Those are also common conditions for many women with PCOS. The findings marked the cows as a good model for infertility research in women. Her Nebraska colleagues, Cup says, are contributing in major ways to the range of this study. Jennifer Wood, professor in molecular and cellular reproductive biology, studied PCOS as a postdoctoral fellow and has been a major collaborator on the project. Bob Cushman, a research physiologist at the U.S. Meat Animal Research Center in Clay Center, Nebraska, has been helpful in developing techniques to obtain ovarian tissue for study. To help with understanding the genetic impact, several scientists have contributed. Jessica Peterson, Associate Professor in Animal Functional Genomics. Matt Spangler, Professor and Beef Genetics Specialist. And Melanie Hess, Quantitative Geneticist and Research Assistant Professor. Recently, Lisa Prezzotto, a Neuroendocrinologist and Research Assistant Professor, has joined the team to study how a mother's exposure to increased hormones during pregnancy may wire the brain differently in the fetus and contribute to PCOS-like symptoms. Scientific research to address female health, including fertility, has long faced major obstacles because the study of disorders in many biological systems has traditionally used male animal models instead of female ones. It is more difficult to study female physiological processes because of the complications created by the female reproductive cycle. Yet, those hormonal differences during the menstrual cycle in women and reproductive cycle in female livestock are critical to their health and response to disease, warranting detailed scientific understanding. Cup's research focuses in particular on factors with the potential to restore proper blood vessel formation in ovaries, which can promote healthy development of ovarian follicles that contain the egg. A key focus is vascular endothelial growth factor a protein that guides cellular signals for a variety of important blood vessel actions. Her graduate students have used the growth factor to treat pieces of bovine ovaries to see if the protein can promote healthy follicle development. Through that innovative lab approach, she says, we basically rescued those follicles and those ovary pieces from our high androgen cows. Cup says, we're genotyping the herd and sequencing their DNA to see if we can figure out what is contributing 
to the genetic variation in the herd, and we hope to tie that back to their pubertal or reproductive characteristics. PCOS has long been difficult to fully understand medically because it's affected by a wide range of factors, including genetics and environment. Ultimately, Cup says, researchers will need to look comprehensively at findings for the breadth of populations studied, animal and human. A key guidepost, she says, is for researchers to avoid rigid assumptions. As scientists, we have to observe things. We have to keep our minds open, she says. We have to follow what the data is telling us. As an editor's note, this article was provided by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources. Thank you for joining us at Angus Beef Bulletin Audio. If you have any comments or questions for us, please send us an email at abbeditorial at angus.org.